Hello, welcome. Um, my name is Katie White, and I just wanted to reiterate what Jennifer said. We are so glad that y'all are here, um, particularly if at like 6.45, you were like standing at your doorway like, should I put on my pajamas and watch Netflix, or should I come? We were praying about that time, and the Lord just really heavily laid on my heart to pray for those few women. I think it was just like a few that were just right there, like, do I come or do I stay? And so we are really glad, especially if you felt that way tonight, that you are here. Um, I have the pleasure of introducing Melissa Tanner. Does it make you feel old that one of your Wesley kids is about to put on her readers? <laughs> to read your amazing bio, um, <clears throat> Melissa and her husband, Tom, live in Kennesaw. Melissa leads the women's ministry at Riverstone Church. Her husband, Tom, is the lead pastor there. Um, they are, um, if you're new to Stonebridge or you maybe um, don't come to Stonebridge reg regularly, you might not know that we are part of a network of churches, and Riverstone is sort of our parent church. Um, and so Tom is the pastor there, and Melissa has led alongside him there. Um, Melissa was a teacher for many years in both public and private schools. She has a passion for teaching, and she has deeply invested in some of the lower socioeconomic areas of Cobb County. Um, she spent many Saturdays volunteering as a teacher of ESOL, English as a Second Language. Um, and before moving to Kennesaw, this is where I met Melissa, um, they spent eight years in Athens directing the ministry of the Wesley Foundation at the University of Georgia. Um, during that same time, Melissa taught and led the chapel at Westminster Christian Academy in Athens. They have two married children, Mason and his wife Hannah, um, and they have two children, Mia Lane and Bolton, and Grace Ann and her husband Tyler um, have three children. Three children. Charlie, Samantha, and Aubrey. And I love that that was highlighted in your bio, all of their names and ages, if you need them. She serves on the board of directors for the Hope Box, a ministry dedicated to rescuing abandoned babies, speaks at women's events, and enjoys helping Tom pastor the leaders of the Transformation Network. Tom and Melissa have ministered together across the United States, South America, Europe, and Asia. Tom and Melissa have been residents of Cobb County for over 30 years. Both of their children and all five of their grandchildren were born at Kennestone. Needless to say, this is home for them. Um, and I love to end on this. Some of you may have seen Melissa and Grace Ann, I know that I watched this episode, on Say Yes to the Dress, the Atlanta edition. I know it's out there still on the internet somewhere if you want to watch it. Um, but we pray over who to have come speak at these events. We brainstorm. We ask the Lord. We ask the network. Um, and Melissa has been on our list for quite some time. And so I know y'all are going to be really blessed by what she shares tonight. And so join me in welcoming Melissa Tanner. Hello, hello. Am I on? Let Oh, there I am. Okay, awesome. Oh, goodness. I'm so glad to see you all. I'm seeing lots of friends that I have known for about those 33 years, so I'm glad to see so many of you here tonight. I first want to start by saying I am so sorry um, that um, the last time I was scheduled to come, uh, my mother um, 
had a, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and we were at a crisis. And, you know, the enemy knows things, and um, it was a crisis moment. And so I wasn't able to be with you when I was scheduled before, but I'm so honored and blessed that um, you invited me and then invited me back. And so I'm glad to be here with you tonight. So anyway, I want to start with my story and 7, 1 through 10. And I think we'll be able to put that on the screen. The hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of dry bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floors of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. And I will put breath in you and I will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise and a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say it. And this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath. From the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesy as he com- prophesied as he commanded me. And breath entered them and they came to life. And they stood up on their feet, a vast army. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, what a blessing and an honor is to be here with these women tonight. Lord, I pray that um, your words would come forth, Lord, whatever that is. Every word that comes out of my mouth, Lord, I want it to be from you. And if it's not, Lord, I pray that it would just fall like dust to the ground. I bless these women tonight, and I bless our time together in your holy name. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm going to scoot back just a twitch right here. That's just a little bit more than a, yeah, okay. Uh, <clears throat> all righty. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself, and I'm going to tell you our little story. Um, some of you, uh, especially some of the, you that were from the University of Georgia I'm seeing here tonight, some of you know this story, and I'm so glad to see you here. You're going to get a little bit of a repeat, but we've lived a lot of life since uh, University of Georgia, so I'm excited to share a little bit about that. So maybe you'll hear something a little new tonight. But I want to say to you, I grew up in a Christian home. I was an only child, and my daddy was an only child. My parents and my grandparents, they loved me. You know, this isn't a story about something. They loved me. They did. But I grew up feeling watched. I felt more like a doll or a toy than a person. I didn't want to perform for people or try to meet their expectations. I wanted to be me, but I didn't really know who I was. With two accomplished parents, a firstborn, if you know anything about birth order, a firstborn and an only child married each other and they were my parents. 
and there was a lot of perfectionism in our house. To top it off, my grandparents and my great-grandparents moved to the town where we lived. And I was the first girl in my, on my daddy's side of the family in almost 200 years. I was a mantelpiece, needless to say. Something to watch, something to, be, to teach, something to adore, something to dress like a little doll. That's what I was. That's what I was. I loved my family, don't get me wrong, and they loved me, and I wanted to please them. I really wanted to please them. But perfect pressure. Valentine Queen, I was on the homecoming court. I was in the right clubs. I was in the right sorority. I dated the right boys. I had my debut into society at the country club when I was 18 years old. I had a 65 Mustang convertible that my daddy built me for my 16th birthday, and I loved that car. <laughs> and one day, I was driving around town during the summer uh, before I started college, and some guy from a rival high school saw me, found someone that knew me, got my telephone number, had the nerve to call me that night and ask me out. And his name was Tom Tanner. Exactly. His name was Tom Tanner. Because if you know Tom Tanner, you know he would do that, right? <laughs> if you know him, that's exactly what he would do. I didn't even know him. I said no nicely. Because, you know, I'm the, you know, walking, talking. The depth of me at this stage, I just want you to know. He was captain of the football team. He played baseball. He was president of the key club. He was voted best looking in senior superlatives. Well, okay. <laughs> he has pretty good pre credentials here. But mm, he had a bit of a reputation for being somewhat wild. I mean, not bad, but definitely risky. Risky. I followed the rules. He pushed the envelope. We were both from good Christian families, good Southern families. We both went to church every Sunday. He was a Methodist. I was a Baptist. You know. Our families belonged to the same country club. After several persistent attempts, I finally said yes to a date with Tom Tanner. He was fun and much edgier than me. I liked him, and I liked the edge. He was smart, he was cute, and he was going somewhere. He was carefree, a little crazy. He didn't seem to care too much what people thought of him. He had an edge I really liked. We started dating the summer before college. We were having fun, falling in love, and then one night, with absolutely no warning, Tom Tanner gave his life to Jesus. It seemed like it came out of nowhere. One day he was this crazy, edgy, mysterious guy, and the next day he was the most surrendered Christian I had ever known. I'd never seen anybody completely changed by Jesus before like that. I left 
Tom, but I wasn't sure I wanted to go where he was going. I was afraid being a Christian would put me right back in, and I'm telling you the truth, I was afraid that being becoming a Christian like that would put me right back into the performance that I was so desperately trying to escape, if that makes any sense. We continued to date, but I was looking for a way out. After several months, Tom asked me to marry him, and I didn't know what to do. But finally, guess what? I said yes. A few months before the wedding, Tom came to me and said, I believe that God is calling me into ministry to be a pastor. Now, I was um, really in a trap at this point. I I wasn't sure I wanted to be a Christian, but I was definitely, definitely sure that I did not want to be a pastor's wife. Definitely. But, guess what? We got married. And I decided that I would be the best preacher's wife ever. Because that's what I did, right? (laughs) I was falling right back into the performing thing that I had grown up doing. And so... The very thing I wanted to escape, I was now back in. I tried harder and harder and harder. And there were good days, but deep down inside, I, I, didn't, I didn't know who I was, and I didn't know where I was going. And finally, I couldn't stand it anymore. I was hurting so deeply. I said, God, I can't do this. I can't make myself a Christian. And I don't know if any of you have ever tried to do that before, but it's horrific. You can't do it. I cannot make myself a Christian. Over time, I became angrier and angrier. First, in small ways. I couldn't relate to all those religious people. We were at seminary by this point, and there were no dances, there were no new clothes, and there was no cute house for me to be living in. Actually, it was more like concrete block walls and Bible studies. That's what we were doing. And I didn't get it. I was miserable. Jesus had not changed my life. Jesus had not changed my life. I was what we call a social Christian, if you know what those are. I was a social Christian, not someone with a relationship with Jesus. With every day that passed, I became lonelier and more unhappy. I had to get, I had to get out some way. I had to get out. And I came up with a plan. We were going to move to Atlanta, and this was going to fix it all. The hate and the rage, y'all, the deep hate and the rage, was, it was building inside of me. If he was going to do this, at least it won't be in Wilmore, Kentucky, at Asbury Seminary. 
Now, I just want you to know, Tom Tanner loved Asbury Seminary, and I just want you to know right now, we have done a video for Asbury Seminary. They know all about this, so don't worry. (laughs) You can see it on their website somewhere. Uh, Tom Tanner loved Asbury Seminary, and he loved his friends, but he loved me. And I convinced him that we needed to move to Atlanta. I got a job. He got two jobs and was going to seminary full-time. I thought this would fix it. It didn't. It wasn't about the place. It was about Jesus, once again. In my opinion, and this is how crazy my thinking was, Tom Tanner had ruined my life. But see, I had said yes all along the way. He had ruined my life. I hated him for it. I was beyond miserable. And finally, I left. I moved in with a friend, and I did everything I could do to ease the rage inside of me. We were separated for almost four years. I was ready to move on then after that. And Tom asked me to come with him for one last thing, to a Bible study called Metro. And I said, okay, now some of you older folks in here may remember that Bible study. It was a big Bible study they had downtown Atlanta, and hundreds and hundreds of people came. And I went that night. The study was on Ezekiel the dry bones. That God can breathe life into things that are dead. I didn't listen. But my roommate did because she went with me. (laughs) And on the way home, after saying goodbye to Tom for what I thought was the very last time, my roommate said, we've been to church three times, Melissa. And the last four years that we've been living together as roommates. And every time, now y'all, this is crazy. Every time she said, the message has been on Ezekiel 37. She said, I think God's trying to tell you something. No kidding. (laughs) And she said, I think he's trying to tell you something about your marriage. And I said to God that night, oh, my goodness, I have been around this and around this and around this. And I just finally said, God, I remember um, I put my head down on the steering wheel. We got back to the apartment, and I said, God, if you want me, you're going to have to come get me because I can't make myself a Christian. I can't do it. Y'all, I want you to know, that's probably the thing that God had been waiting for me to say for years. All through it all, he had been waiting for me to say that. Because truly, after I said that over the next few weeks, I mean, I, I was just doing nothing. I was just sitting back, and I'm, I'm just going, do it. I'm doing nothing. The performance isn't there. I have nothing else. I've, I've, I'm empty. I have nothing else. Over the next few weeks, God began to transform my mind. He began to transform my heart. I looked 
and I saw my true self. Not the performer, the real me for the very first time. And I'm going to tell you something, it was scary. If you've ever stopped and turned and looked at yourself when you were someone that's performed like I had been, it was very scary for me. I was so afraid to look at who I really was. But God pursued me. He did not give up on me. He was faithful when I was not faithful. He pushed through, and Jesus was merciful and kind to me. He met me. He loved me. He saved me. And he began my journey to freedom. After about a month, I called up Tom Tanner. Now, I had not called him. I I never called him. In the four years, I never called him. And it was as if we had met for the very first time. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm telling you the honest truth. I was like, who is this wonderful man? I I just, who is this man? I love him. That's what I was thinking when I was talking. I didn't say it out loud. I was thinking it. I asked him that night if I could come home. And you know what he said? He said, can I come get you right now? Four years. Can I come get you right now? I'd never known love like that before. I saw Jesus in that. I saw Jesus in that. Who does that? When school was out, because I was teaching school, I went home to Tom Tanner. He loved me, and I adored him. We renewed our wedding vows. I was so proud of him. I was overcome with honor that the Lord had given me a man who had dedicated his life to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's been 33 years since that all happened, and we never looked back. I believe Tom had loved me as Christ loved the church. God pursued me. Why? One, God pursues us because he wants us to know real love. Before I met Jesus, everything in my life was based on performance. I had people who loved me. But I thought, and it was in my head, I thought they loved me because of what I did. Because of what I did. I constantly felt the pressure to do and to say all the right things. I thought love was something you earned through hard work and could be easily lost. When I learn, what I learned is God loves, God's love for me is, is unconditional. And he will stop at nothing to make sure that I know that I am his and he adores me. Second, God pursues us because he has a dream for our life. We all have dreams in our hearts. We all have them. Things we want to chase after, the deep desires of our hearts, 
we are so captured by these dreams that we go after them on our own. We have the idea that if this is going to happen, then I'm going to have to make it happen. The truth is, God knows your dreams. He knew my dreams. In fact, he put those dreams in our hearts. You know, that's kind of a little catch word right now, dreams. Go after your dreams. God put those dreams in our hearts. That's why Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Because he put them there. Many of us spend much of our lives running away from God because we think that's the way to keep or keep or that's than we want for ourselves. But the truth is, God wants more for us than we want for ourselves, that we could even imagine. His dreams are bigger and better than anything we have ever wanted for ourselves. He pursues us because he doesn't, y'all, he doesn't want us to settle for less. I'm going to say that again. He pursues us because he doesn't want us to settle for less. I wanted to see the world. One of the reasons Tom Tanner going into the ministry seemed so disappointing to me was because I thought for his dream to live, my dream had to die. In my world, pastors' wives didn't travel the world. When we moved to Athens and started at the Wesley Foundation, God gave us a heart for the nations. And we began to take teams. We started international ministries. We began to take teams of students uh, all over the world to do ministry. I see some of you here that went on some of those trips. In the years since then, I have been to Ecuador, England, Scotland, Ireland, Costa Rica, Brazil, Guatemala, India, the Philippines, and many other places. God gave me the dreams of my heart, not in spite of Tom's dream, but because of it. Isn't that the craziest thing? When I was in the fifth grade, I remember I was um, sitting in my seat, and the teacher handed out all the social studies books. And you know how they do. You go through your new book and look at it, and I saw a picture in there of Christ of the Andes. You know where I'm talking about? In Brazil. And I said to myself as a little fifth grader, I want to go there. I live in Sheffield, Alabama. I want to go there. What's the odds of that happening? I want to go there. It captured my heart as a fifth grader. I remember the day that I stood at the base of Christ of the Andes, Christ the Redeemer in Brazil. I stood there and I wept because I knew that God had pursued me so that he could love me. And give me the desires of my heart. This blue topaz that I wear, I bought this for $25 in Brazil because they mine blue topaz there. And it's my birthstone. 
and I love it. And I got it put into a ring so that every time I look down at my hand, I never forget that God loved me and he pursued me so that he could give me the desires of my heart. Number three, God pursues us because my story impacts your story. This is not just about me and Jesus. This is not just about you and Jesus. This is about us and Jesus. We were happy and we were content in Athens. We had no plan to leave, but God called us to come here. Tom Tanner had a dream and a vision for multiplication. We didn't really know what it was or what it meant or what was going to happen. But after we moved here, we realized that planting churches was our call. God didn't bring us here to just lead one church, rather to give birth to a whole family of churches. We are in this together. My life is a part of your life. And your life is a part of my life. Our dream is to plant a family of churches for the next generation, y'all. Our dream is to plant a family of churches for the next generation to be a light to a culture and a people who have lost their way. Y'all, our culture has lost its way. We must stand together. We need each other. Tom is actually about to finish his doctorate on church planting. He'll graduate in May. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But unity is one of the things that just works. And I want to say this to you one more time. Good or bad, unity works. If you are united with a group of people who share a common purpose and a strong commitment to something, they're difficult to stop. Think about right now the groups of people that have a common purpose and a strong commitment, but it's not a biblical commitment. They're making an impact. They're changing our society. They're changing the world that, we, that we've grown up in. They're changing it. Why? Because unity works, good or bad, if a group of people with a common purpose and a strong commitment go after something. But let me tell you something. A group of people, a family of churches, united in Christ. See, the enemy's played a trick on us here. He's, he's tried to make us divide. But a group, a united in Christ and his call to the world, I want to tell you something, it's impossible to stop. That's the whole point of this whole we of, of being a family of churches because it's impossible to stop. The word says in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And that's what we gotta do. We gotta be for each other. We gotta believe the best in each other and we gotta run. We gotta run after him. So I say to you tonight. There's my little story. The Lord Jesus, I praise him every day. I don't know where I'd be if he hadn't pursued me so relentlessly. But I want to say to you, run.
ever imagine for yourself. He doesn't want you to settle for less. He wants to give you more. And remember, it's not about me and Jesus. It's not about you, just, just you and Jesus. It's about us and Jesus. A family united in Christ and his call to the world. It's impossible to stop it. We stand together. Thank you. I love y'all. <laughs> Thank you, Melissa. It's so, I was tearing up earlier thinking about just seeing it's actually the 20 year anniversary of the network and seeing a mother of the network come in here and for us getting to be family, you guys getting to hear from her and her story. And I pray that um, it was, I know God was at work here tonight. And so I, we're going to lead into ministry time now. And so um, if our ministry teams would go ahead and come on up and we're going to take a moment um, just to walk through some prayers in your seat and then I invite you to come up to receive ministry or you can um, stay in your seats and worship um, for a few more songs. So let me um, pray to lead us into ministry. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here. God, we do thank you for your love that is unfailing. Just kind of a couple things that may be stirring in your heart after hearing that. You may be someone who's weary, you're just tired of performing. You've kind of been in that same place of, of performance. You've given other people the power to tell you who you are and who you should be and what you should do. And so, Father, tonight we repent of that. We repent of giving other people the power to tell us who to be, how to behave, and giving us our identity and our purpose. God, that belongs to you alone. And so tonight we look to you to give us our purpose our worth and our value and our identity. So Father, tonight we invite you to strip away the things that have been put upon us by man, by parent, well-meaning maybe teachers and parents, grandparents, older brothers or sisters, friends in our lives that have put things on us that aren't ours to carry. So God, today we just pray for freedom and a release of those things. And we ask you, we invite you, Father, to come and speak over us. We give you again the power, you alone, the power in our life to define our worth, to give us value. And thank you, God, that you say as we wait upon the Lord, you renew our strength. So God, for all those who are weary of and burdened by, um, by working and striving to earn love tonight, God, we just open our arms wide to receive it from you, the one who gives your unfailing love to us, the one who pursued us, the one who rescues us because you delight in us. 
the one whom the moment we turn our eyes to you says, can I come and get you right now? God, we pray for those tonight, anyone who has something that's dead in their life, whether it's a marriage, another relationship, or a dream that has died. Holy Spirit, just blow in here tonight. Breathe your breath of life to every woman's heart tonight. Your resurrection power. Father, we thank you that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is here with us tonight to bring back marriages from the dead, to bring back dreams that have died. So God, would you reawaken, awaken our hearts with your love tonight? Would you breathe on us again tonight? Would you bring freedom Would you restore hope? Would you fill us with your joy? Thank you that in your presence is fullness of joy. So tonight we pray we would experience the fullness of your joy. In Jesus' name. You guys can stand. You can stay seated. You can come forward for ministry at any point. We have a couple songs um, of worship now.